0: Hi, everyone, this is Connor Gilsonen, and you're listening to the All Things Auth podcast. On this show, I talk to creators, researchers, founders and advocates who are moving the ball forward on usable security and privacy. We discuss how they got to where they are today and what they're currently working on. Who are they trying to help and what keeps them motivated to overcome challenges along the way? The goal, as always, is for the rest of us to learn from their experiences and go on to promote usable security and privacy within our own projects and organizations. Joining me today is Max Krohn, co-founder of Keybase, a company whose mission is to bring privacy and security to the masses. Keybase is a Slack-like product that supports chat and file sharing, but it is fully end-to-end encrypted. You might be familiar with other well-known apps that support end-to-end encryption, like WhatsApp and Signal, but Keybase has a fundamentally different security architecture. Max explains why this is so important and helps us understand the cryptography that makes the service work. Before starting Keybase, Max was the co-founder of OkCupid. He shares the story about how he went from running a dating app to focusing on making public key cryptography approachable for the average internet user. Towards the end of our conversation, we discuss how Keybase approaches user research, how they make enough money to keep the lights on, and how they plan to grow the service in the future. As always, thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Well, Max, welcome to the episode. It's a pleasure to have you here.
1: Thank you, Connor. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I've had a Keybase account for a number of years, and I'm incredibly excited to talk with you and learn more about the history of the company, how things got to where they are today, talking about some of the features you have that distinguish you from some of the other tools in this space that play in encrypted chat and some similar functionality. Can you just give our listeners a little bit of a overview of what Keybase is as a tool and also what the mission of your organization is? Sure thing. So if I had
1: about five seconds to describe what Keybase is, I, I think the easiest way I can explain it is a Slack-like product that's end-to-end encrypted. And if I had a little bit more time to, to explain it, I, I would say that Keybase is um, more, more so than an application. It's really, I hate to use this word because it's a little bit of a cliche, but, but Keybase is a platform. And the, the platform is concerned with, let's say three or four major um, major concepts. Number one is it allows Keybase users the ability to broadcast um, their public cryptographic identity. And, and so the chief concern here is uh, obviously in today's world, one has a lot of concern about imposters or people pretending to be you online. And so, you know, Keybase first got its start, and this is still a very important part of our of our product. Um, we allow people to advertise who they are in terms of their other known social identities. And um, not only that, but to connect those social identities with with a cryptographic identity. And once, you know, Connor, I look up your cryptographic identity on Keybase, and maybe I can say it's corroborated by some third party services, like your Twitter account, or your Reddit account. Um, After that, I'm able to establish a cryptographic conversation with you. Um, And that would mean um, we could have an end to end encrypted conversation, or maybe I can verify that you actually wrote something or published something. Um, And so that's kind of the first component of what we really care about at Keybase, uh, public identity and giving people a way to easily establish that. As it turns out, you know that piece is only useful with some other pieces attached to it. Uh, and one of the other important things we care about is, is giving users a way to conveniently manage um, their secret cryptographic credentials. And, and so what does that mean? Well, whenever you have any sort of end-to-end encrypted product and Keybase being one, you are in charge of keeping track of these keys that only you get to know. Uh, and it's typically a pretty complicated procedure if you consider the fact that a lot of people have multiple devices and they might lose a device or a device might crash. And so um, for this reason, people need a lot of handholding in terms of um, managing the secret pieces of their, of their cryptographic identity that only they get to see. Um, and that stay uh, private to their devices. So that's kind of the second big piece that we care a lot about at Keybase. And um, the third piece is, is a way to start combining um, the, the other two, and that is to allow people to arrange themselves into teams of people. Um, and I, I think we're all pretty comfortable at this point with using an end-to-end uh, encrypted messenger where you know we could have a one-on-one conversation or maybe two to people in a conversation where everyone's named explicitly, but it starts to get a little bit more complicated when you have a group of people that, that falls under a name, let's say. And so this could be a company, it could be um, contributors for an open source project, it could just be your roommates from college, um, but uh, we, we allow in Keybase a way for, for users to organize into teams uh, and, then, and the teams that can have membership that changes over time. Um, and so these are like the, the three basic components. Um, and on top of that, we're building Applications that people can really use, um, and the application, you know, the first one I mentioned is an, an end-to-end, end-to-end encrypted version of Slack. Um, and another one we have is like a file sharing service, and then we have a, a source code management service as well. And all of these products have the same uh, property where you know users using the product know two things, uh, uh, and they're somewhat independent. First, they know that only the people in the teams that they intend have access to the data in in those conversations or or file shares or or code repositories and second that there's authenticity of authorship that um that an evil uh attacker or an evil server didn't inject some bad data into that conversation um and and this is all possible with the crypto cryptographic foundations that we've been working on for a long time um and these are these are three of the applications that we think are most interesting now but we think long term all of the technology I've described is is pretty generic and you could build almost anything on top of it um, that uh, that needs those same uh, important security properties.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting to hear the uh, features that have already been built in Keybase. You had mentioned the end-to-end encrypted chat, um, which is similar to Slack. Uh, And the distinct difference there that a lot of people may not realize is that the people who run Slack can actually read all the messages. Because they're not end-to-end encrypted, they're available on Slack server. And one of the things that has been talked about recently is Slack's ability to uh, turn on a feature to allow admins at a company or in a team to actually read the messages of everyone participating in that team. And so in Keybase's situation, end-to-end encrypted means that only the intended recipients of your message would be able to read that content. So it's really interesting to see some of those features and I wanna dive more into how those work. But before we get to that, I thought it might be good to actually back up a step and Mm -hmm. learn a little bit more about how Keybase came to be. Um, I know that you and your co-founder, Chris, uh, previously started OkCupid with some other founders. And I'm curious how, your journey through your professional career has uh, ended up with you working on public key cryptography and forwarding this mission of bringing usable security to the average internet user.
1: Uh, yeah, that, that's a that's a fun thing to talk about. So, um, Chris, Keybase was started in somewhere in the 2014 era um, by um, my colleague Chris Coyne and, and myself, we were the two co-founders of Keybase. Um, this was actually the third internet business we had done together. We were um, friends and more or less roommates in college for the first year. Um, and then we stayed pretty close after that. And we had a couple other people involved with, with our first business um, that we started in 1999. That was called, um, it's still alive to this day. It's called SparkNotes. Um, and uh, you know, this is somewhat of a generational thing where for people of my generation tend not to know SparkNotes, but the younger ones do. Um, and uh you know, things were different back then. We started that business in our dorm uh, in March or of, you know, of 99. And I think we sold the business in January of 2000. So it was a real kind of rocket ship in terms of, you know, t- taking an idea from from a simple prototype into something that could be turned around and, and sold pretty quickly. Um, I think we learned a lot about uh, the potential of, you know, internet businesses. And and we thought a lot back then about, about. Mechanics of, of, of viral spreading of you know of, of the SparkNotes product we were working on and we had a bunch of other things cooking back then. Also, one of one of them was um, was a dating product which we didn't really have enough time to uh, pursue. But we we did after we, we were done with the SparkNotes story um, in two thousand three. We we had time to come back to to uh, dating and we had some earlier ideas and a lot of those had were, were around. Um, ways to bootstrap a a, a dating network. I think that was one of the hardest parts of building a dating site then and now, which is that, you know, you get to this uh, website and there are three other daters and you you say, this is the worst dating site ever because there's no one here for me. So I think, you know, anyone who wants to start that kind of business has to think a lot, almost more about, you know, how they're they're going to bootstrap a, a viable network than the actual dating product itself. And so we had a lot of Experience with that from Spark Notes, and that was rolled over into this this idea of making dating free and fun. I think in two thousand three, it was pretty um, it was pretty transactional and, and dry to to use online dating. It, it didn't didn't really feel like anything you'd, you'd enjoy doing. <clears throat> so. Um, one of the surprises there, though, is that we couldn't turn this business around in in a couple of months, which is what we had been used to by that point. And I think OkCupid was was a pretty long haul from the time we we had an idea and a prototype to when it became something that more than, let's say, a million or two million people use on a daily basis. Uh, and there were a lot of moments in there where it was not entirely clear if it was it was actually going to work out. Um, so I think that's some of the you know the, the hard lessons of, of running a startup that people obviously, think a lot about the success stories but um, you know there are a lot of kind of uh, there are a lot of outcomes in between that, that that don't really get much publicity and that they're easy to forget about when, when you see the out uh, the final product um, but you know I guess in terms of what you would ask because I'm, I'm off, I feel like I'm off on a little tangent here but um you know one thing we did notice that OkCupid is that we had access and as part of the terms of service of the site this was you know, Part of the deal, we had access to people's deep and dark secrets. And, you know, we weren't collecting those willy-nilly for, for OkCupid, but rather we thought that was a way to facilitate better matches. And, you know, some of, you know, people's kind of private desires were were, were important to take into account when you figured out who they were going to match well with. And so we had every reason to have that data, but it, it got to the point where it started to scare us. And, um, you know, in the 2003 to 2011 era, it wasn't that common to hear about large-scale data breaches, but we certainly knew it to be a possibility. And um, obviously, it would be an embarrassing possibility for um, for us as a company, but but also a pretty horrifying experience for our users if all of a sudden, you know, what what they had answered in confidence was now exposed in, in public. Um, and and so, you know, that kind of got the wheels turning for us a little bit. That the internet of the future might might have a different architecture, and, and it's almost the case today. And you know, I think we're moving in the right direction, but it, it's it's still the case today that almost everything on the internet is of the form that you upload your important plain text to some server, like a Slack, um, as you described, and just hope for the best that the people running the service um, don't have any major problems. And the major problems are, are manifold. I mean, it, it could be that there's a bug. It could be they have um, a, a spy um, from another company or another country in, inside their walls. It could be, you know, the underlying infrastructure has a bug. There could be, you know, we, we basically, on, on a weekly basis, we see flaws in Intel, um, I'm sorry, you know, hardware architectures come out where something like a, a meltdown or a specter and, and who knows what's going to come out next week, where there's some way to infer what's going on on, on a cloud server on the basis of access patterns. Uh, and so we just see, a million different threats for, for any plain text data that's in the cloud. Um, another thing you might say, coming at it from a slightly different angle is that that data is totally undeletable. And um, I don't know if you've ever tried to delete data, but it, it, it's very hard to do so just because usually important data is backed up many times. And if you run a service on a cloud provider like Amazon, I mean, you could delete the data from your database or from S3, but that, now you have to trust that Amazon will go ahead and delete it themselves. And it's a pretty hard guarantee to 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 give to, um, to to a service provider that the data has actually been deleted and so you know one thing you might consider about uploading your private data to the to the cloud is will it ever be deletable and you know we think there's a pretty good story for that in end-to-end encrypted products but but not so for any product where you would uh, you know trust the service provider to hold on to your data so anyway those were kind of the issues we were thinking about a little bit in the OkCupid days we, we saw the threats um, that were growing when we were still there. Chris and I left the company in 2013. Um, now maybe it was 2012. And then we spent a year just um, trying a bunch of different products that we thought were fun. Uh, you know, we, we were thinking a little bit about... I don't know, 10 different things that that didn't go anywhere. But the the one thing that we did put together that had a little bit of traction was this um, PGP public key directory. And um, I had a little bit, well, I I had a bunch of experience with security because sometime while doing OkCupid, I'd I'd left and and done OkCupid part-time. And with the other half of my time, I was a PhD student um, and I was Studying cryptography and security, and kind of the intersections of of you know, security and operating systems, and and you know more or less scalable systems. Um, so this was something I had an academic interest in, and um, Chris, uh, my partner, is much more uh, an expert in uh, di- social dynamics of, of of you know website um, spreading and virality, and also um, the look and feel of a product in, in such a way that makes users excited to use it. And we thought we could basically combine these two sets of expertise we have to take on this initial problem um, of maybe, let's say, replacing the PGP key on um, old-fashioned directory with something that felt a little bit more up-to-date. And um, I don't know if uh, people listening to the podcast know what PGP is, but it's a pretty old technology that goes back to the early 90s. Um, and it's it stands for pretty good privacy, and I think the technology under the hood lives up to that Um very unambitious name. Uh, it, it's had a lot of valid criticisms mounted against it in recent years. But in general, if you want to send an email uh, to someone else and have it encrypted, I think PGP is one of the few games in town for that. And um, at first, cyberpunks were using it, I guess, in the 90s. And more and more, it seems to have a little bit of mainstream adoption. And we thought um, that was a, a good as any system to, to think a little bit more about how and users are going to get their hands on public-private key technology, um, and so that was the initial version of Keybase. We took this old technology, PGP, we made it feel more social, um, more kind of Web 2.0y, and and also gave people the ability to uh, construct a new version of online identity. I think that was one of the early insights we had about the product um, that. Uh, you know, your your identity is not really what your driver's license says in 2019. I mean, that's one version of what your identity is. But potentially a more interesting version of your identity is, you know, your different social media accounts. And uh, the good part about this new version of your identity is that it, it works for people you might never need to meet in person. And so if I know someone online because they're a famous open source developer or because they have... Um, a Twitter feed with a blue check mark, um, that might be a more important kind of aspect of their identity uh, as opposed to something like their driver's license. And so we built the initial version of Keybase with this insight in mind that we want people to be able to construct um, a cryptographic identity that was based on um, social networks uh, that were available in,
0: in you know, the Web 2.0 world. It's, it's kind of coming full, full circle for me, um, talking about using the social accounts and the social identities that someone might have online where you haven't had the opportunity to meet them in person and mm-hmm. using those to facilitate end-to-end encrypted conversations. And the really interesting story and motivations coming out of OkCupid for protecting the really sensitive information you had of your users um, I could imagine in the future, the uh, platform like OkCupid leveraging something like that to um, give some trust to a profile of a user to say, hey, I'm on Twitter over here. I'm on Facebook over here. And using that not only to establish Mm -hmm. some trust of who you might be chatting with, but also to facilitate now this end-to-end encrypted communication that could protect your information which you pointed out is is very yeah. sensitive in this context um rightly so and um give people some more confidence that they are chatting with someone in more of a private atmosphere
1: right i, I would i would maybe caveat that a little bit though i feel like okay i think was a pretty good uh case for a pseudonymous um type of account where you know, you might post some pictures you don't want your coworkers to see. I, I think um, at OKCupid, it, it was a little, I think there was a good value in, in allowing people to establish a separate identity um, that, that they could hide from their parents or coworkers. And, we, you know, in particular, you could think about, um, you know, gay um, people in, in conservative communities, I think it was pretty good for them to, to not actually advertise their, their true um, identity. And, and so, you know, I, I think in, in that sense, OKCupid has a little bit of a different kind of problem statement than, than, uh, than Keybase. But but I think you're right. I, I, I think, you know, there, there are really two pieces here. There, there's first, you know, what identity you want to share with the world? And is it actually mappable to, you know, something that like is on your Facebook? And and then once you have that, you know, it, should you be able to have a c- private conversation given, g- given the, um you know, the, the key exchange that happens as a result of the identity? Um, and I think there's like a really interesting tension here. I mean, there's, in some ways you want to holler from the rooftops and say, like, here's my public key. But you, at the same time, want to use that extremely public and widely distributed information to establish a private conversation. I I think, in some ways, that's like an interesting thing for people to think about, uh, because it's usually not the way you think about it. I I mean, if you think about, let's say, uh, Signal, uh, they're more or less of the form where you can only bootstrap a conversation with somebody once you've Shared a phone number with them. And that that's a very different feel because you might want to be very protective of who you share your phone number with. Um, I think the key base model is quite different. It's that um, you should use this um, your real name as much as possible and your real social identities. And that, that way, you know, unless you're somebody who, who's you know use that identity to to boost up a a conversation with somebody who you know to be on the other end the way you described it so so yeah i I think it's a good point but for you know for okcupid it's a slightly different use case and i i don't know if we would take this technology and say hey okcupid you guys should adopt this i mean we don't really work there anymore and they probably wouldn't listen to us um Mm -hmm. for many good reasons uh but um you know, it, it's not great in all, in, in all places. I, I think pseudonymity, pseudonymity still, still has a good use on the web for sure. Um,
0: yeah, I think that's a, a really important distinction. I'm glad you um, brought that up. And you had talked um, just now about some of the Abilities of Keybase and some of the different features. And I think it'd be great to dive a little bit more into some of the technical details to help people understand um, how Keybase is actually achieving some of the things that it is. You know, we've talked about the end to end encrypted chat and how you mm-hmm. can create teams and talk with people and bootstrap this private conversation, leveraging some of the social proofs, some of the social identities that are um, already in use by people. And I'm wondering if you can walk us through some of the uh, common workflows that someone would encounter when they're getting started with Keybase. So starting off with, if someone's interested in exploring Keybase, you know, perhaps they're familiar with Signal or WhatsApp or some of the other tools that are out there that currently facilitate end-to-end encryption as well. And mm-hmm. how does Keybase work Uh, for someone getting started potentially installing Keybase on their phone and are there any important distinctions between some of the other technologies out there? Uh,
1: Sure thing. So just to walk people through the uh, through the experience of of using Keybase for the first time um, it's pretty important uh, that the first thing you do is install an app uh, on your phone or on your desktop or um, on your tablet and um, it's important because it's pretty hard to bootstrap cryptographic guarantees uh, with a web page alone. I think the problem with the web page is it's it's really hard to know, you know, are you being targeted by an evil server? Is there any sort of good storage for you to store your key? And I think there are a whole host of concerns that don't have a great answer um, with, with, you know, modern web technology. So, I mean, it's good because most people use apps anyway for a lot of their uh, interesting workflows. And, and so, the first thing you would have to do to use Keybase is to install an app. And um, from there you would, and we're always changing this and we're trying to streamline it as much as possible, but from there you'd probably have to pick a username and this is a a public username. So um, it can be uh, hopefully one that you use elsewhere, but if not, obviously it's this this idea of picking a username is, um, you know, we're all used to it by now. Um, and, And that's more or less all you really need. And what happens in under the hood is that your your phone or your computer or wherever wherever it is you first install Keybase is generating a new uh, key pair for you and uh, a key pair has you know two different components one is a private component and that allows you to decrypt things and also to sign things but let's just say let's just focus for now on decryption and there's also a public component which allows other people to encrypt for you. Um, and the private component stays on your phone. It never leaves your phone. And the public component is, is published um, in, in a public way. Uh, and so now you're a Keybase user. You have, you have a phone, I sorry, you have a, a username and you have a, a key pair, and that's more or less a cryptographic identity. And so the next thing you might consider is how do you expand on this? Um, one thing you might do right away is to add a second device. Um, and, and we think this has multiple uh, positive uses in the keybase system and a lot of other um end-to end encrypted messengers we, we feel ha- has a has a less desirable story here but to, to go into keybases uh story so you know if i've if i start up with my phone i the next thing i do is i open my desk my laptop i install keybase on my laptop and i, I use one of those qr code style exchanges and i point um, the camera at my computer screen and now My cryptographic identity is available on both devices. And we feel this is an important thing for two reasons. One, it's more convenient because whatever I'm doing on my phone, I probably want to do on my laptop as well, or or my desktop or however many computers I have. But also we find one of the the biggest obstacles towards people successfully using cryptography is is that they might lose their secret key. you know, how would I lose my secret key? Well, if I only have my secret key on my phone and I lose my phone or my phone, the screen is broken, or I upgrade my phone, or I uninstall the app and reinstall the app, in all of these cases, that basically destroys, and for good reason, all the secret data that I have on my phone. And if that secret data happened to be the private key that, that other people need to communicate with me and that I need to decrypt their messages, at that point, my my cryptographic identity would, would be totally lost. And so, one of the key advantages of having Keybase installed on multiple devices is that you now have a backup, more or less. And that if 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 you install Keybase first on your phone, but you, you have your desktop, and your phone gets you know blown into bits, whatever, now you can always provision a second phone with your existing de- des- desktop computer. And so, this means it's a lot less likely on Keybase for users to have to reset their identity. Um, and if you think about the other competing products out there, um, like a Signal or a WhatsApp, um, that is not the case. I think if you ever were to um, uninstall Keybase, or sorry, uh, Signal on your phone, you basically would have destroyed your cryptographic identity. Um, and so that would be a good reason upon installing Keybase to to, you know, to provision multiple devices, um, and the other thing you would do too is start to say, "Well, I, I want people to be able to look me up on this platform," and so I might prove my Twitter identity, or I might prove my Reddit identity, or one of these other social third-party identities. And actually, this is a new feature we've added. We we basically added like a thousand new identities recently with um, Mastodon support. Mastodon's like an open-source federated version of, of Twitter, and going forward, we hope to to hit lots of smaller communities on the web. Just anyone who has some sort of um, something Twitter like or something like a, even a bulletin board you can use that identity and and connect it to, to Keybase. but you know once I start doing that I, I think this has you know this has two benefits to me first it, it allows people looking me up to corroborate my identity with third-party references and also it um, allows people to look me up and so if people know, my Reddit uh, identity; they can find my corresponding Keybase identity. So it's another one of these nice, like two for one uh, features that that we that we built into the app here um, with these social identities. Um, and then the next thing you might want to do is to um, start communicating with people. And so um, you could look people up by uh, you know Keybase name or any third party name. And and once that happens, you and that person you're communicating with have have formed a team more or less. And and a team is something. Uh, that allows you to have a conversation, share files, or share source code. Um, and, and now this is—you um, could either have a, a team that just is like an iMessage type team where it's just you and someone else, or um, a list of names, or you can have a team of the form that you know, this is, you know, my company, or or like um, open source hackers, or you know, some something like a group of people that might have a changeable membership over time.
0: Yeah, that is um, some really helpful background, and I know that the cryptography story gets significantly more complicated when considering the team scenario, um, but digging a little bit into the technical details on the direct uh, one-on-one conversation or or sharing mm-hmm. a file like you had mentioned as a use case as well. So mm-hmm. someone coming new to Keybase will install it on their phone. And as you said, that creates this key pair. And mm-hmm. the importance of not losing that key is um, very high. And so adding another device not only creates redundancy, but the two devices are cryptographically uh, essentially vouching for each other, right? So you're expanding mm-hmm. this graph yep. of your of your identity. And yep. you had mentioned that adding these social proofs from um, online accounts, like maybe Twitter or Reddit, um, not only gives people confidence in who they're talking to, but it allows them to um, discover a way to chat with you privately. Can you talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about um, the use case where perhaps I'm following someone on Twitter and I want to send them a private message, but they are not yet on Keybase. Um, I know that Keybase has some really interesting cryptography for supporting this use case where I could send a message to this person on Keybase who's not yet a Keybase member And that is a use case where the message will still be encrypted. And once they join Keybase later, they're able to read that. Can you talk a little bit about the social proofs and this use case in particular? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I think
1: what's slightly surprising about that exchange you just described is that it doesn't rely on server trust. Um, And it's configured in such a way where the, the clients doing it actually Check the validity of these identities themselves, and so I guess let me let me, let me try to walk through um, how it works. So let's say I'm an existing Keybase user, and uh, you know I look up. Um, I was going to say uh, let's say I look up uh, Barack Obama on Twitter, and um, you know I, I can start a conversation, which you know Max plus Barack Obama on Twitter, and um, what's what's happening there is I am encrypting messages. And, and uploading, them. so when I start typing a message like, you know, hey, I, I think you should, you know, come and speak at my fundraiser, let's say on, you know, in a couple of weeks. Um, I, I encrypt messages for um, this conversation that, that so far I'm the only person in it. And um, once those messages are encrypted, they're uploaded to the cloud. Now, when Barack Obama actually signs up for Keybase, um, our, our servers give my devices a message and they say, Uh, hey, uh, Max's devices, you should check it out because you had this conversation going on with this Twitter user, but now they're um, an actual Keybase user. And what my devices would say then is, well, that's interesting you say that, Keybase servers, but I'm going to double check. And so what they would do is they would actually scrape Barack Obama's Twitter feed and make sure he had posted the the proof of the fact that this Twitter user actually corresponds to this Keybase user. And only once my devices were satisfied with that proof, they would take that conversation that had previously be, been keyed just for me, and now key it for this new Keybase user who just showed up. Um, and I think what's kind of neat about that is, um, even if the Keybase servers were lying to my devices, there'd be no way for my device to, to mistakenly um, expose what I'd written to, to this, uh, in this conversation you know, before the other person joined. Um, And so, you know, obviously we could do that with any uh, third party, you know, social proof that we have. Um, And we could also do that with um, uh, inviting people into, you know, into teams, you know, that that aren't just one-on-one conversations. It's the same mechanism that works in that case too. Um, And and I think, you know, this is less friction uh, than alternatives you can think of because if I happen to be offline, you know, or if I'm not like sitting in front of my computer at the time that the other person joins Keybase, um, it it doesn't matter. My my device can, can do this work on my behalf because I've already, you know, told my device, you know, what my intentions are for who this conversation gets shared with. Um, so that's um, and also uh, that that also works with files or or code sharing as well. Basically, anything we do, um, that same technique can work um, for, for letting new people into the platform who don't already use it.
0: Yeah, that is so interesting to hear about, um, you know, I've been a, a signal user for many years and understanding the cryptography of, of how a lot of these end-to-end encrypted platforms are working, one of the biggest uh, distinctions uh, when I was getting familiar with Keybase is the fact you could send a message to someone not yet in the platform. And it's really interesting to hear a little bit about how that works, but... Mm-hmm one of the things we've talked a little bit about, but just to explicitly reiterate is this idea of trusting on first use. And I know this is a big distinction between Keybase and some other platforms as well. And what I mean by trust on first use is that if I want to chat with someone on signal, I need to go and ask them what their signal phone number is. And I could do that. I could call them on the phone. Maybe they've posted it somewhere, but It is a fundamentally different experience in Keybase where I could send an encrypted message to someone's Twitter account or indicate that the owner of this Twitter account should receive my message. And even if they're not yet on the platform, they could then join later and read that message through the process you just explained. So the concept of trust on first use seems to be a really big distinction for Keybase.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. I I think in our our industry, Tofu... Or trust on first use is a dirty word, and um, it, it's uh, it's because you know what tofu really means is that there's some server or somebody who's doing an introduction that would have the ability to lie, uh, and and so like look, look look at the signal handshake. Um, so if I know your phone number, um, that has no cryptographic importance. So so what I would do is I would contact the Signal servers. I'd say hey, you know, here's some phone number, do you have the public key that corresponds to it? And the signal servers would write back and say like, yeah, it's this, you know, it's this key right here. Um, and more or less just trust us. And, and that's, you know, to their credit, that's as good as you can do. And, and there's no way for me to independently, and like when you signed up for that phone number, what probably happened is you proved to the signal servers that you own that phone number. They probably sent you a text message. You probably typed it back, and so now you've proven to the Signal servers that you are this phone number, and you know everything from your perspective can follow from there. But there's no way for you to re- replay that proof to me, and, and so there's no way for for you to proxy that proof through um, Signal ser- servers to me to know that there's any connection whatsoever between this phone number and this this public key that we need to bootstrap our secure communication, and you know typically what this means is that there there could be a supposed man in the middle and if if signal turns evil or, or if somebody shows up to their offices and and force them to to basically compromise their service what they could do is give back um, a private key that that they control and then basically be in the middle of our conversation Sorry, get back a public key that they control and then be in the middle of a conversation. So everything I say to you, you know, the signal server gets to decrypt and then encrypt and send back to you. So you and I don't know the difference. But we're basically being what's called man in the middle. Now, there's a way around that. If if we're using Signal, um, you know, what it tells us is like, oh, well, you're just talking to Connor for the first time. Go over and check safety numbers with him. And and what that means is that. You know if, if you and I have some sort of out-of-end communication that's not signal itself we could walk over to each other and make sure that we're not being man in the middle and that um you know we were right to trust the signal, signal servers but I think in practice nobody really does that and it's, it's just very challenging to do um I think the reason why this is particularly bad in the case of signal or whatsapp is that um you know it, it ought to be true that you know once you and I do this handshake for the first time where maybe I I walk over and trust your safety numbers, or or maybe I'm going to just trust Signal this one time. Um, that should be it. We should never have to to, to have this trust uh, or or exchange ever again. But in reality, what happens is whenever you or I get a new phone, or whenever you reinstall your app, or whenever um, you know I my, my you know my phone crashes, uh, basically we need to do the whole thing all over again. And um, so, so you know I, I'm, I'm guessing that people change their phones on average once every two years um and so that means that you and i have to do this at least once a year and it's, it's particularly inconvenient to to exchange these visual uh, identifiers with each other if, if we're you know only see each other you know say every five years but if you even make the problem seem worse uh imagine we're in a group now of 10 people and you know every each of those 10 people loses a device once a year or changes a device once a year that means that basically every month we'll have to make this decision again. Like, do we, someone has new, someone has a new public key. Should we continue to encrypt for this person or should we check them out? Or, you know, what are we actually going to do here? And what that means is people are basically conditioned to just ignore these warnings. And so, um, you know, the bigger your signal group, the more likely you're ignoring important warnings and the more likely somebody could insert um, kind of a spy user or an unauthorized user into the conversation which would just break the whole security you're shooting for so it's a long way of saying that tofu is something that if at all possible we we, we try to avoid at keybase and you know the, the first way you know we, we try to avoid it is that um, when I look up you Connor on keybase uh, you know the keybase server replies okay this is what I know about Connor um here here's this public key and here are these you know, five different social media identities that that he's claimed for himself, and then my phone doesn't take this word of the key or servers on, on, on that. It actually checks those five separate social media sites and make sure that you have posted a proof um, on each of them and that it lines up with what the server told me. And not, only after my my phone checks all that will it say like, okay, this, this is Connor. Um, and so what that means is, you know, even when I first talked to you on Keybase, I'm not just taking Keybase's word for it. I'm taking, you know, potentially the word of these third-party corroborative, corroborative services, and um, we think that's that's a that's a real advantage. And the, the other reason why you know this tofu issue I described about Signal isn't a, isn't as much a question for Keybase is that you know it, it comes to the multi-device story. So because you and I are going to change our phones every year or maybe every couple of years. Um, you know, without a, a good multi-device story, that would just be a, a brand new cryptographic identity every time you or I did it. But with a good multi-device story, that just means that your phone vouched for your laptop, your laptop vouched for your new phone, and then your identity never gets reset. It just gets passed from device to device. So that means there are many fewer times in using Keybase where this, this reintroduction of people would ever come up in the first place. Um, and, and so. For almost everything you could do in Keybase, if there really isn't tofu. Uh, there's one small place where we make tofu uh, explicit for users, and that is if you want to onboard a, a, a team on the basis of their email addresses, um, and that sometimes happens. Like imagine you're moving your team from Slack uh, to Keybase. You know, you, you, you as the admin of this uh, of this team would say, like, you know, my team has these twenty email addresses, and, and so in that case. You know, the clients know to take those servers, the Keybase server's word that, you know, Joe at Acme.com is, you know, Joe, Joe underscore Acme on Keybase, and I should basically just let Joe into this group, um, into the Acme group. Um, and so that's the one case um, in the Keybase product where you might use Tofu, but we're extremely explicit about it when we say you're doing that. And so... Um, and it's only if, if users opt into that feature, which is a convenience feature for moving for, for moving a group over. Um, so it's a great question. And we think it's a real kind of distinguishing feature of our product. Um, and, you know, I don't think this is an academic um, c- consideration. And, and like, you know, in general, one of the things that's kind of surprised me about security is that, you know, I've been in the security research um, kind of business, more or less for, let's say, 15 years and you know when I was doing my PhD work, and back then there was this, you know, the, this whole litany of potential attacks we knew against the infrastructure. And you know, back then we said, well, we know how to solve them, or let's figure out how to solve them, you know. And and then that's what made for interesting academic work. And I think between now and then, what's happened is those attacks have turned out to be entirely practical, and we see them happening all the time. Um, and, and so it's this notion that if something is hackable, it's going to be hacked. Um, and we know this both from you know, well-funded uh, attackers to like state-run security agencies. Um, we know that there's an extreme amount of profit and information to be gained from from breaking into people's systems. And that if it's cryptographically possible to do it, then oftentimes it happens. And this came up recently with, with this notion of trust on first use because I believe the, the British intelligence services, I think it's called GCHQ, um, they said that you know their strategy for breaking WhatsApp going forward might be to introduce you know fake users into conversations, and um, you know th- this is if if I'm distrusting WhatsApp to tell me who's in the conversation now I'm I'm totally uh, susceptible to the attack where where someone an evil WhatsApp just inserts a new user in, in, into my conversation a new an evil device into my conversation and you know, this is going to be the attack vector that people are going to use to break these you know services that claim to be end-to-end encrypted. So it's it's like the problem with Tofu is not academic. It's almost certainly good, going to become a real problem in the near future.
0: It's really interesting to reference that. Uh, I've seen that in the media and certainly will include in the show notes some links to um, this discussion about WhatsApp specifically that you highlighted. Um, and the uh, specific circumstance in Keybase where, you know, uh, trust on first use is explicitly um, allowed with this, Um, idea of inviting someone via email, in that scenario, if someone were to uh, come in, and you're initially trusting the Keybase server, that, you know, joe at AOL.com, and that's their email address, and this is the public key for them, then as they take actions within Keybase and start to post social proofs to their Twitter or their, um, maybe corporate profile or something like that. Does that Mm -hmm. help diminish the trust? And, and over time you have more trust that it is this person via the cryptographic proofs that they're sharing.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. The problem with email is it's the same problem with the SMS proof that I talked about earlier. There's no way to, um, if you prove yourself over email to to the keybase servers there's no way for the keybase server to then turn around and and send that proof to me and i'm I'm the person who's going to let you into the team so yes uh, exactly as you said so so i let you into our team and and that was based on trust of the server but now if you add more um more corroboration to what your identity is i can then go and check in such a way that i know the keybase server couldn't have faked that because the keybase server doesn't have control of reddit or doesn't have control of like some corporate um you know, internal site where you posted your your identity. So, so yeah, that would allow me to double check. You know, it, it's a it's a good idea. Come to think of it, in terms of the feature that we should maybe have, you know, like a little flag against those people if they've been let in through this vector. And then that just means that you know, as you as more information about them comes into focus, you should maybe you know think about revisiting the fact they're in your team. I think that would be a neat feature to have.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting idea. I kind of um, indicate that they were initially. Coming in with this trust on first use concept, and perhaps each person has a different level of um, confidence that if they have um, shared three sources of social proof, then that's enough for them to feel personally comfortable. Maybe some people yeah. want ten or five, or maybe there's a specific yeah. source. So I think that's a really interesting yeah. feature to to chase. So sorry, sorry, I would just make a
1: you know a, a slight distinction between like a corporate use case and you know and like a a more like person-to-person use case. And we think one of the nice things about Keybase is that it's useful for both of those. And, um, and the reason why that's useful is like, you know, lots of businesses, they have internal discussions, but they also want to talk to people outside the company. And it's nice to have a, you know, a platform that supports both uses. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think in like a corporate setting, it, it could be TOFU is a little bit more acceptable to people just because, you know, that's that's often their relationship with, with like these Slack or Dropbox like providers, um, but uh, but but trust on an ongoing basis is should be a lot more horrifying. Um, and you know, if you think about, I, I mean, I, I think Slack in a corporate environment is interesting for a number of reasons. But you know, you could you could say, well, fine, maybe Slack isn't a great idea for my business. I'm just going to you know run my my proprietary in house version of like something like Slack and like put it in a data closet somewhere. And um, you know th- this this might be a good solution because now you don't have to worry about your data being in the cloud. But some some people, had, some big companies, have have expressed their concern about this configuration to me. It's a little bit uh, off topic, but. Um, and the concern is this: that is as long as you have like a machine like running some sort of internal service, even on premises, you still need someone within your company to patch that machine and to and to up to provide upgrades and to maybe, you know, basically be a sysadmin more or less onto that service. And then is it the case now that the sysadmin has access to to all the communication of the you know of the executive team? And so there's almost like no amount of of, of plain text getting. Off of your device that's acceptable to people, or that ought to be acceptable to people. Because you know, as soon as the plain text leaves your device, it, it, it our theory is it's going to get leaked in some way. And so, you know, this is a way of saying that maybe in a corporate environment a little bit of tofu is okay, but there's still like an extreme value to everything after that initial introduction to, to be end-to-end encrypted. So um, it's just it's something that you know, we we just added into the product as like a sub 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 feature, but it's something that you know isn't really a core part of what what we're doing. I think is another way to say it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I, I will note that you have a lot of information on your website in blog posts and your documentation about how the um, server technology works, how the client functions, how the underlying cryptography is really outlaid. And we'll certainly link to that in the show notes for people who are interested in really diving deep on understanding your approaches to this. Um, But one of the things we've been talking about is the the user experience here. And we had talked, uh, you know, learned from you a little bit about the original motivations Uh, from your days in OkCupid starting to think about protecting information in in ways that weren't available um, back then. And uh, would you say it's uh, uh, safe to assert that the goal of Keybase is bringing this usable security and privacy technology to the average internet user in a way that they don't need to understand a lot of the cryptography we've been talking about. They don't need to understand exactly what's going on under the hood, other than you know understanding, desiring and appreciating that it is a protected conversation. And if they can come in and have an experience that is as good or better than Slack or WhatsApp or Signal or, or these other technologies out there, then all things equal, they might choose to have that cryptographically private conversation. Yeah,
1: I think that that's a great way to say it. Um, and I know I've been maybe lodging some critiques against some of the other competitors in, in what I said previously, but at the same time, I think the modern wave of end-to-end encrypted apps are all pretty good. I think in terms of UI, if you compare to the old-school PGP that you know we we started out with even five years ago, and so you, you know just to kind of Rewind a little bit, what you were were dealing with back then. Um, you know, you'd say, "Well, I'm going to sign up for PGP today because I care about security." Um, and the first thing you would be asked was, "You know, which of these four pairs of algorithms do you want to use for your public private key pair? Do you want to use RSA and RSA, or an RSA and ElGamal, like RSA? You know, DSA plus you know, and like literally, that was the first choice you made when you signed up for PGP." And then the next question is, "Well, how many bits do you want your key to be?" and You know, these were the types of decisions that users were faced with. And one of our key goals in terms of the UI key base is to never give users uh, a decision they can't possibly make well. And and so that's a good example of one right there. Um, And, um, you know, any kind of interface where you're showing people what looks like a key is probably not a good interface. Um, You know, keys are usually, let's call them 64, Digits long and they're you know they're not they're just like hexadecimal strings so they're not good good UX um, and so we think a lot about like what are people able to think about successfully and we think you know in keybase we we don't talk about your keys we talk about your devices right and so each device has its own independent key pair um, and so when you want to in 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 the technical speak revoke a key the way we present that to you on, on the UI is that you remove a device. And so we think users are, are, are able to handle those types of, of questions. And, you know, over the years, we've done a lot of, uh, we've both received a lot of feedback and also done a lot of um, handholding through kind of more technical aspects of the product. And, you know, we see where this stuff can go wrong. And, um, you know, one, one type of feedback we always take, immediately to heart is, you know, I found such and such confusing. and So users can be wrong if they're confused, you know, that they're confused. And so, you know, a lot of the way we iterate our UI is to make things less confusing. And just because, you know, we're working on it all the time, it doesn't mean we're there yet, but it's definitely something something we think a lot about. Um, you know, one of the things that, that we're aware of is that while our product gets better, you know, obviously, the things we're competing against are getting more and more polished. And in some ways we're, we're an underdog here. We're, we're a team of 25 people and we're going up against, you know, let's call it Slack um, as one of the key things we care about. And I'm guessing the size of Slack is somewhere between a thousand and, you know, 20,000 people. I, I, don't, I don't know how many people work there. So obviously we're, we're majorly outclassed in terms of, you know, what we can do. Um, but given those constraints, you know, th- this is, Almost like, I mean, our, our primary concern is that it's secure and like our secondary concern just beneath that is that it's easy to use. And we're always, you know, that's where we put, you know, a lion's share of our work as we come, you know, as we work on Keybase. Um, and you know, um, obviously we're, we're open to like feedback and whatever we can to make things better and smoother. We, we, we want to hear about that for sure. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, um, one of the things that jumped out at me as I was getting up to speed with Keybase is, um, you know, the user interface seems really polished, and I can tell a lot of attention has gone into making things accessible in menus and all of that. And one of the things I always do is be sure to draw a distinction between the user interface and the user experience. And one of the things that jumped out at me in terms of the user experience was that Keybase um, did a significantly better job than PGP, getting people up to speed. It doesn't talk about encryption algorithms and, and a lot of the things you talked about, which have plagued PGP's usability over the years. But Keybase still felt like it was targeted at a pretty technical audience. And I always try to envision um, you know, the average internet user or my parents or someone who's not having the experience I do on the technical side getting up to speed and I'm wondering if you can talk to the kind of historical motivations that Keybase has gone through, Uh, you know, the reality of needing to find traction and early adopters are often found in technical communities and how thinking has um, evolved to targeting more of the average internet user and some of the user research you might be doing to really make sure you get the overall experience approachable for someone from a non-technical background.
1: Well, the first thing I will say is,
0: almost I would say let's say
1: five half the company um, I would say is is married to non technical spouses or those of us who are married to non technical spouses all use Keybase with our spouses. So um, in in that sense, you know, we want people who aren't in the tech business to to use the product, and you know we. Greatly value their experience, or confusion whenever something's not right. I mean, those are the those are the things we care a lot about. Um, what could make Keybase confusing to someone who's who's not in, in the technical field? I mean, in, in you know in the computer field, you know, maybe the existence of the Git tab is is might be a little bit confusing to people. What is what's Git? Um, and uh, you know, maybe we you know it, it's a it's a little bit of a tension here. I mean, ought we hide that or you know? by default. And in that case, no one will discover it. Or, you know, should we just maybe show it to people who not, might not be interested? I, you know, that's something we we would think a lot about, you know, which we only have so much real estate. How are we, how will we use that real estate? What will we, which features will we advertise and which ones do we want to bury? Um, and so, you know, I think the features we probably advertise the most are files and chat. Um, and we think these are things that, you know, anyone who has a Reddit account at the very least should be able to use without a problem, and hopefully anyone who uses a phone. I, and you know we're not there yet, but we're really trying to get there. Um, and as you said, a lot of our um, early adopters were um, were in the com- in the computer fields or related. I think you know anyone who had struggled with PGP before had was very interested in Keybase when we first launched because this is a much better interface and kind of solved all the, a lot of the pain points that people had with PGP. Um, and uh, we're also appealing to a technical audience because I, I think anything, I mean, the, the security is a tough business. It's hard to describe what makes your product better than someone else's. Um, and I, I feel like the technical audience have have an appreciation for what we built in such a way that, you know, if you just think that everything on the cloud is secure, you might not have the same appreciation for it. And, and so in that sense, I think we've also appealed to, you know, to people who understand the technology as early adopters. Um, our hope is that the, the early adopters um, who read Hacker News can can help uh, guide adoption for people who don't, and, and just, you know, they could eventually start to um, recommend Keybase because um, it doesn't have the tofu problems that Signal does, or maybe it doesn't require you to share your phone number like Signal does. Or, you know, it has a lot of things that maybe make sense to people who, who you know, don't know as much about security as, um, you know, as some of our earlier users. So I think that's one way we might hope to, you know, grow in the future. The other thing is that, you know, the Teams feature seems to grow within companies pretty well. And so we've seen, you know, we've seen marketing departments from, just you know, old school brick and mortar companies use Keybase, you know, and um, I don't know why they're using it or what 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 you know what drove them to use our product. But I know when they ask for feedback, and I could tell from their email address that they're probably at like you know some sort of you know big uh, S and P five hundred old school company, and um, you know so what this tells me is that maybe somebody in their company uh, you know was up on the tech news and they said this is a great product because we can't use slack and i I think it's usable enough for other people in my team who might not be computer programmers and you know let's go from there and so i think that's one way in which we're currently growing and um, that's one way in which we intend to grow and you know I, i think it's the hope is that the the earlier technical early adopters are like the the hubs in the system and they'll have a have a big kind of social network of spokes pointing out to other people who might not be as technically minded as they are and that's where you know we want to see our growth coming from and that's you know how we're building
0: the product yeah you know one of the things you mentioned is the distinct difference in resources and size you have 25 people working at keybase and um, I know signal is a very small team as well so I'm sure they mm-hmm. have um, similar experience with constraints and things like that but going against whatsapp or slack or any of these other companies that are significantly larger you know they can uh, have teams dedicated to user experience or something like that and sure. um, it's great to hear that you're always thinking about these kinds of things and something that jumps out in my mind is uh, the the tension between you um, having information available on a service like Slack where they can see um, how engaged are people? Are they sending good messages? Are they not? Are they communicating with people? And some of that information is intentionally and and rightfully not available in Keybase because of the end-to-end encrypted nature. And so uh, Mm -hmm. you would need to approach usability in such a way where maybe you'd have someone come in and uh, use the key-based tool in a user study, like in the lab, and you can see where they hesitate. You can see the questions they ask, things like that. Is, is that something that you have done in the past or have talked about maybe doing in the future?
1: Uh, it, it's, at this point, it's only been friends and family. Uh, they've kind of been our, our focus groups more or less and uh, um, our user studies. Uh, so yeah, it's something that we want to do in the future. We just, I, I guess we haven't gotten up to it yet. Um, and yeah, um, in some ways the, the product's been been uh, evolving pretty quickly and you know, we, we might want to get to more of a, what we feel is like a stable form of what the, the, the UI is before we really kind of drill too deep into it. I mean, it wouldn't make sense to study something that's going to change in another week anyway. Um, but yeah, it's something that we have to do. Uh, my, my low budget answer for you is that, um, you know, non-technical people, they use the app and we listen to them very... Carefully about what confuses them for sure. Um, and, yeah, and in terms of statistics and you know, Mark, one one of the great things that we know about Keybase. I mean, I guess we started this conversation talking a little bit about OkCupid and something that increasingly really sat with us the wrong way. There is the, you know the the excesses of the ad industry and the ad industry is you know always kind of grappling for your attention and, and, and trying more and more invasive procedures to to sell you some product and um you know we saw from what we had to embed into our web pages what, what it took to get that to work and one of the the greatest moments of starting keybase was was writing the first html writing the first app with none of that software in it no ad trackers no um you know no none of these beacons none of the other no analytics like any of these things that you know that that are tracking or marketing to people um that other products might, might use or have no place in Keybase. And so that makes it a little bit harder for us to know, you know, what's going on there. Um, but in terms of our statistics, we track, you, you know, just kind of aggregate usage, you know, how many people sent messages yesterday and, you know, versus how many people send messages in the last week. And, you know, that that's the way for us to ask ourselves, are, are we moving in the right direction? Are we making the right product features um, that are driving Keybase forward? Um, and in some ways, uh, you know, if we had more data, um, we could probably come up with better answers, but it's, it's worth it to us to, to not have access to the data for, for many, many reasons.
0: I, I think that is a really good point. It makes things more challenging on your end, but the responsibility of Keybase is to tackle those challenges and for someone to have the confidence that they're not being tracked, there are no ads, um, things like that, I think really brings some um, additional private privacy to, to the entire ecosystem. You know, one of the things I'm thinking about, you had mentioned ads and some other things, of course the motivation for other companies to do that is to make money. And I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if you can speak a little bit to the business model at Keybase. I know that initially you had raised about $11 million uh, Mm -hmm. several years ago and um, things have changed since then, but um, how does Keybase make money to pay its staff and what are the future plans there?
1: Um, Yeah, So, so we started, in more or less a traditional trajectory for a VC-backed company. And um, we were in a position about last year or so. So we, we raised in 2015. In 2018, we kind of came to the end of, of the uh, the money we'd raised. Um, we have minimal uh, kind of direct revenue at this point. And um, we're thinking about our next steps. And, and there were a bunch of different ways we could push this product. I think one thing we we thought we could do was would be to take keybase and kind of repackage it slightly as more of an enterprise product um and in which case there'd be a pretty clear uh a revenue model there um and you know that would kind of open up the the you know the future rounds of, of vC investment I, th- I think um pretty clearly I, I think what we decided to do instead was potentially um so it, it was more interesting we thought and and that is the same things that make key very useful for chat or file sharing um, also make key base very useful in, for cryptographic uh cryptocurrency wallets and, and so what i mean what i mean by that is that you know we have a way to make sure that you don't lose your secret key because we have a way to to have your back your devices back up each other and we also have a good way to look up other people um, by cryptographic by public identities and parlay that into a cryptographic identity. And so those two features are the same two features that a lot of cryptocurrencies want um, for their product. And, you know, the most basic thing you might want to do with any cryptocurrencies, send value to someone else. And um, we, we had a pitch and, you know, people approached us and we started then approaching other people as we thought it was a good idea. You know, we, we could basically build a wallet feature into Keybase pretty easily. And, you know, if we did that, we'd be insistent that it had the same quality of as the rest of our features and that it was useful that, that we believed it was a useful feature, but, but given those two constraints were met, um, you know, could, could we find a deal to keep Keybase going just based on that? And and so that's in the end, what we did. Um, we partnered with an organization called the Stellar Development Foundation uh, and their um, primary objective is to uh, take the stellar cryptocurrency or the stellar, uh, it, it's more like um Stellar is more like almost a platform as much as it is a cryptocurrency itself, but it's a way for people to um, to send uh, different currencies to each other in a way where they don't care as much about the the steps a currency might have to take in between. So, you know, the example they use, is like, if you're in Brazil and I'm in the Philippines, you know, how can we send money back and forth to each other without having to to do the expensive transfers in between? And and so um, they're, product is really built around the, the this like this future vision that it should be cheap and fast for people to send money to anyone else across the globe and so we said you know we could really help you with that by making a good wallet inside of Keybase, and so that's you know one way to describe it is stellar development foundation is basically our, you know our, our biggest customer right now because we're building um a a, a wallet that that Feels and and works really well inside the app, and that they're very happy with, and our users uh, like a lot. And you know that enables us to build you know the other features we were working on too, all atop this this basic you know infrastructure layer that's useful for all the different features we might build. So that's that's our current business plan. Um, and you know we think long term, uh, the, the promise of Keybase is is. Going to be realized at at scale, so we want to take where we are now and continue to scale up a bunch. And once we've made it um, to a level that we think is, you know, where it's worthwhile, there are a bunch of premium features we could eventually offer. Um, And those features might be that if you use Keybase in a, you know, in a corporation or in a a small business or a large business, you know, maybe there are data retention features you need, maybe there are compliance features you might need. Maybe there are features that are very business specific that that make sense. Then you, as a business or whatever business we might sell this, you know, this feature to, it might be a pretty good fit there. That would allow everyone else to use Keybase and in, in their in their other uses usages entirely free. Uh, and so we think long term there there might be something that looks like the GitHub business model, where, um, you know, for personal projects and for open source projects, this is free technology, and for for enterprise use, there's you know there's a um, a pay component for it. And in that way, the, the business use cases subsidize the personal use cases. Um, I, I think that's like a, a good long-term thought we have for, for running Keybase. I think um, luckily we don't have to focus on those features now. I, and we could dedicate all our attention on, you know, polish and, and growth, which is what we care most about. And also um, we want to make the stellar uh, integration successful too. That's another imp- important goal for us
0: yeah well that's certainly some helpful background i know a lot of people are probably um either new to keybase or even if they're familiar asking themselves how is it that i can use this every day and it continues to get better and there's a team working on it Uh, but there's no direct obvious business model um, at least that is transparent in the in the app itself which in a lot of ways is great for end users like me um and so some hearing some thoughts about uh What you've been uh, working on and where you plan to take things in the future is very interesting.
1: There's one more thing, if I'm allowed to be a little bit more forward-looking than I actually have a solution for, but but something we might also consider. And that is, you know, think about making a podcast or making a video or, you know, anything you might do in the future where, you know, something that's attributable to your identity is, is on the internet and it has, you know, words or, you know, video or sound attached to it. And almost all of that right now can be faked and is going to be able to be faked in in, in higher fidelity going forward. And so this isn't like exactly all the stuff we were talking about, but it's the same concept where in the future, the only way you might be able to authenticate anything you've said or done is to sign it with, with cryptography. And, and so we can think about a future where if things aren't signed, they're just taken to be faked. And, and so, to to achieve that future, I, I think something like keybase is is required. Something where you know someone's public key, and you could check the public key against the thing they published into the world, and know that they actually authored it. I think, you know, we're moving into a dystopia where without that, there'll be no other guarantees of authenticity. And so, um, it's a little bit outside of the you know what we've been talking about, but that does seem to be a future consideration we should keep
0: in mind too. Uh, That is that is certainly not a use case that I had thought of previously, but makes a lot of sense um, when you outline it that way. Um, I think that's that alone is is such a fascinating concept with, um, you know, this problem of uh, fake videos and fake pictures and everything else becoming more prevalent. Uh, We'll have to have you back on again to maybe talk about this in some more detail and, and see where things go in the coming years.
1: Sounds good. I'd love to do that. Um, and thanks again for having me, Connor. It's been a pleasure to talk about Keybase and, um, and, and to you know, discuss with you all these really interesting topics.
0: Well, Max, I've really enjoyed our conversation as well. And there's one last question that I like to ask every guest who comes on the show. As we wrap up here, could you summarize in your own words, how you and the Keybase team are moving the ball forward in terms of usable security and privacy? I think
1: you know Keybase is a platform that that really cares about um, multiple device support and um, and the way people organize in teams and and in those two you know very natural use cases to give people the best possible end to end crypto um, and you know we're building products that um, should feel not like a crypto product but should feel more or less like the the insecure product they aim to replace. Um, and um you know, we're going to continue to polish and make them better and add all these features that all the other guys have until you know th- there'd be no reason to to trust your important corporate uh, secrets that you would be extremely embarrassed if they ever were revealed to a company like Slack. And then instead, you know, you should really have your control of your data. And, and the only way in 2019 where you could reliably have control of your data is to have control of your keys and only upload encrypted data to to cloud resources. Uh, and so that's really the use case for, um, as, as aware of people are of, of the threats and, and the need to encrypt now, I I, I think that it's only going to get more um, pronounced going forward. I think uh, we're going to continue to see more attacks of greater sophistication. If you look at Slack's S1, they said they are not um, able to withstand a, a foreign state actor trying to compromise their system. and. Um, you know these are the threats that actually exist in the real world, and I think the only solution we know of as computer engineers and practitioners of, of technology is is to encrypt before um, before you send something you know, into the cloud. And uh, we think a keybase for making that easier, and um, that people really should use some sort of end-to-end encrypted product instead of a plain text version in almost anything they do now.
0: And if people want to find out more about Keybase or follow you, is there a, a social media platform that is best for them to do that? Uh, how should they get in touch?
1: Well, uh, Keybase has a has a Twitter account at Keybase.io, um, and that's a good way to get updates on our product and um, any new features we're shipping. And my Twitter, uh, Twitter address is at Max Taco, which you could also find by knowing my Keybase uh, address, which is Max. Um, but... Uh, th- that's a good way to get in touch with me or um you know if you just send me a message on keybase uh, at max I'll, I'll certainly get it and um we could we could discuss things there there's also a group on on keybase called keybase friends where people like to hang out and talk about various topics on, around our product and feature um, features they want to see or bugs they might have hit and um th- those um that group is really knowledgeable about the product and you know c- can help answer any questions if if the keybase staff
0: isn't there Sounds great. And uh, we'll be sure to include links to all those good resources in the show notes so that if people are interested, they can uh, go there and uh, find direct links. Uh, so, Max, thanks again. This conversation was really fascinating and I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show.
1: Thank you, Connor. Have a great day.
0: You can find the show notes for today's episode by heading to allthingsoff.com podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this conversation and you'd like to support the show, I would really appreciate a rating or a review in iTunes. I personally read all of the reviews over there, and they really help others to discover the show. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next new episode in two weeks.